0: all right we're going to continue talking about a father's important work in the home as we're talking about the doctrine of the family and that man he's appointed us as leaders of the home and it's important work we have it is a very important part of our presence on the earth and we need to be focused on the work that god has given us to do we we noticed and mentioned that god gave adam three focuses first to be a leader in keeping his commandments and he's the lead lead to be a leader in that and that leadership is to go across all of the areas of family church and government the community and then he was to be a leader in providing for the needs of his family and then the third was to be a leader in caring for his family and leading them and so a man's work is over all those and typically though when we talk about that say a man's work our minds go to a vocation and a career and that's typically where a man's mind goes and and that's the balance we need to have is to see that our work is all of these things and a very important area of our families not just the job we do 40 hours or so a week that's just one aspect. We're talking about there's seven in a list that I have identified in the Bible and we are going through these. And we've looked at leading your family and now we'll look at we'll look at probably the next three, loving your family, providing for your family and disciplining your children. So the next that follows is loving your, chil- loving your children, loving your family. And these sort of go in, in an order because the leadership is first and uh, it, it, co- it covers all of them. And then out of leadership, next we need to talk about this second area of love because the leadership is to be carried out out of love. And that's very important. The world is rejecting and fighting against and opposing the leadership of men. They'll call it male patriarchy in a very condemning thing and a very bad thing. That's one of the worst things to them, to the world today, is uh, male patriarchy. And then they will condemn it, taking the worst example of manhood. And then saying, "See, that's evil. It's bad. We've got to change all that. Turn away from that." And it means, and it's an example of a man who is abusing his authority, misusing his authority, carrying out his leadership in a wrong way. And typically, that would be in an unloving way. The reality is that we are all sinful. We are all fail, and every man will fail in these areas at some time or another, because we're sinners. That's reality. And we are all failing. Whether we're role we have, whether you're a wife or you're a child, you're going to have times where you fail, where you don't carry out your role like you should. That doesn't mean that you get rejected and then everything's off. Same thing with fathers and men. How, albeit, we've got to have the proper balance is that Men, we are called to a higher standard. We will give an account of our leadership. We will be judged with a stricter judgment, the Bible says. We will be judged stricter with the outcome of our family rather than our wife and the children. We are more responsible as the leaders. Nevertheless, there's never been a perfect man except the Lord Jesus. He was the perfect man. Adam was the first man, the prototype man, and he failed. And that's where we're at. But we need to strive to get where we need to be to carry out God's will for us. And the key to that is the Lord Jesus, who was the second Adam, and he was the perfect man. He was the perfect Adam. And we're in between the two. And we need to, we, the key is, the, uh, men, our head is Christ, and we must... Strive to follow him and strive to stay close to him. And even in that, we'll have days where we fail and times where we fail, but we're to be striving toward being like Christ in our leadership. And that secondly will mean we will carry out our leadership in love. We've got to carry out everything in the motivation of love. Everything that of these next seven that follow are to be need to be carried out in love the disciplining the providing even the motivation to provide for your family out of love uh, the teaching of the of the father protecting your children praying for your children all needs to be carried out in love that's what jesus did that was his motivation as he worked with the disciples that's that's our call and in our flesh that won't happen but with the Lord Jesus as our head and leader and the Holy Spirit is our power, we can carry out a loving leadership. But we must daily stay close to these things. Jesus is our model. Uh, look at quickly at uh, Mark chapter 10, and we'll just see a brief picture where the Lord Jesus modeled love for us men, and this is a good lesson, this is a lesson for us men, uh, you ladies, God has given you a, is your complementary role is he's given you a, a skills in love and nurture and caring for children. That, becomes, that actually comes very instinctively to you much more, but men can be focused on other things or be more uh, unloving for various reasons. But Jesus, uh, and he actually teaches the disciples this here, of when some brought little children to him, uh, verse 13, Mark 10, verse 13. Then they brought little children to him that he might touch them, but the disciples rebuked those who brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them. So, so here's the, uh, the disciples, the men say, oh no, Jesus is too busy too busy for children he's got more important things to do he's he's carrying out his work his ministry he doesn't have time for these little children and Jesus set them straight very quickly and that's the typical response the human response and it, and, and even it's a it's a man's response typically where we get out of balance and it's, I've seen it over and over and I've experienced it myself that typically that men are driven to provide for the needs to be working providing an income and they are driven to that to the exclusion of these other areas and then that's where mistakes are made and they even you know it's not readily apparent they may think I'm doing something good I I need to be doing this yes but there's got to be a balance And I think that was the dynamic going on here. The disciples were, oh, Jesus is too busy. He's got important things to do. He's got his ministry to carry out. We've got to to accomplish things here. And they say, he doesn't have time. And Jesus said, yes, I do. He was greatly displeased about this. And he said, verse 14, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them for of such is the kingdom of God. Surely I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. And so Jesus taught the twelve here the importance of their role as men who care for children, who carry out loving leadership for children, which would translate into their own families personally. That they were apostles, but they were called also to be fathers and husbands, the ones that were, and that that was an important part of their work, and they had to keep the balance. And Jesus modeled what love was, what it is, how it can be demonstrated in three, three areas. first time the disciples said no he didn't have time he can't spend time with your children Jesus said no yes you let them come to me he gave them his time first he gave them some time to spend with them. second was touch he took them up in his arms he said there in verse 16 he took them up in his arms and laid his hands on them he touched them and third was talk he blessed them and that was out of the old testament blessing where he prayed over them spoke to them a blessing of god's will and work in their life those three t's time talk and touch is the model from the lord jesus the perfect man of how to show love and this is our example uh, men with these children and what we can do and so loving our family and our children manifested in this way of time touch and talk and uh, let me just make some comments on the first one time that we've got a this is very instructive for us here jesus was busy we've been noticing that through mark he's been and we're going to notice it even more here he was busy he was he was always pressured by people to give them his time. And that became a problem because so many were coming to him. And Jesus had to, we're going to see it in our scripture today and following that he had to just schedule things to say, come away, get away. Listen, we got to have some time together with disciples. Just come away. And he tried to, and he scheduled it. And that's what we must do with our our children also to accomplish this, is we must schedule time two areas generally family time and then second just individual time first we've got to make sure we have scheduled family time family time in our schedule that our schedules aren't so busy that there's never a time where we sit down together as a family and just be together and interact and talk and the father and mother can have time then to share things there needs to be scheduled family time, and we'll talk about this as we go on, but a very important element of this that I strongly urge is a family time where you sit down to have a time of, of worship together and talking. And that's an important thing, and typically you know, that's, you're talking about at the end of the day, at the, in the evening time sometime, where everybody can be together, and you gather and, and have a time together. That's one way a father can have time schedule a time a family time uh having meals together is is really important to give that time together and you schedule it and you can try to protect that i mean there's times where you there will be things going on but uh be going guard about that because the world tries to get us so busy that families don't have time to all sit and eat together and they miss out on that and that's missing out on a very important time and to try to protect that schedule. And then individual time within the children, individual children, there's to be time scheduled where there's one-on-one talk, time to talk with them about various issues of life. And that has to be scheduled. I just want to emphasize that. And it's, so our problem, and we don't mean to, to do this, and it's really easy as we have these intentions, oh, yeah, I want to do this and this, but then life just comes and there's all stuff going on and then you just don't have time to get to it you intended to you just don't have time and you have to just schedule things to make time for important things that's what Jesus did here he easily could have just yeah yeah I got to talk to this I got to get on to the next village I got to do this or that he said no I'm going to schedule. I'm going to carve out ten minutes right here for these children, and Jesus made time for them, and that's what we must do. Fathers, that's that's what we must do to have the time. So family time and individual time. All right, let's uh, go to the next one of providing for your for your family, and I won't say a whole lot about this. It's it's sort of. Uh, You know, it's instinctive. We don't usually have problems of not spending time on this. It's a problem of spending too much time on this from various sources of demands of either employer or just the demand of the work or um, needs. But the man, I'm going to say the man is called to bear this responsibility. He's to be the leader in providing for the needs of his family. That is given to, it was given to Adam, not Eve. Paul made a point in timothy to say the created order tells us things He said the man was made first the woman second that tells us things he said that was the basis that pastors ought to be men in the church that's what he said the created order speaks to us a lot and the created order was that god made adam on that sixth day and before he made eve he did certain things and i think that was for a reason it it means something and he told adam you keep my commandment to not eat of that tree. And so it was his job to teach his family that. And then he said, I put you in the garden here and you're to tend and keep it. That was Adam's job. It wasn't Eve's job. Eve was going to participate in that, but her role was going to be to help Adam to do his work, his job of the garden. She was an extension of him of helping tend the garden and to grow the food, harvest the food, so forth. But it was Adam's job. It was his responsibility first and and that's true today it's man's responsibility it's the man's responsibility to provide the income for the home the work for the home that doesn't mean the wife's not going to do some things I think Proverbs 31 woman is the uh, example of that and that she was out of her home now be very careful she was working out of her home planted a garden grew grew stuff it was out of her home it was home-based work so that she could be there with the children and she did the garden work. She did sewing. And then it, it says, the wording is very clear, that she sold to the merchants. So she was wholesale business. She, was not, she didn't set up a shop and go and leave the home and spend time at the shop. She was selling out of her home to the retailers who were then selling her stuff. And, and so she was involved in, in working along with her husband. She was doing what she could at the time with the extra time she had at, at the house and sometimes that was more or less, she was doing that. But it was the man's responsibility to be working to provide the income for the home. Because there may be times when the wife couldn't be doing that. You know, if she was with child and expected a baby or just had a baby, she was not going to be out in the garden. Shouldn't be. There's times where she couldn't do that. The man was responsible it's, it's us men who are responsible to do this. The world and the feminist movement is trying to reverse that, first to say that uh, women can do that just like men and try to rebel against that and say, oh, there's no leadership here of the men. Women can do this just as, as well. And, and that's let me correct that. That's not the issue of how well you do something. It's not an issue of that women can't do work as well in some areas. They can't. The issue is roles, and the home, the teamwork of the home, is that the man is given the job to to go out and make an income, and the wife's role has been created, and she's been gifted to care for the children, to spend time with the children, nurture and care for them, and teach them, and manage the house. That is what she's skilled at, and so it is everyone doing what they're skilled at. But the feminist movement wants to try to change all that and say that a woman can go out and leave the home and work a 40 job plus a week just like the husband and come home and have a family and do both. And that is a total lie. You cannot do both. Something will suffer and it will be the home. It will be the children. Even from the perspective, the biggest thing is they will have ha- the children will have to go off to a school and with someone else teaching them, and teaching them unbiblical things and even anti-biblical things. And the children are at risk of being lost if the wife doesn't stay in the home to raise the children. So important. That's why Satan wants public school so much. I mean, for him, it's a very simple thing. I get the children then. I get them. I get to train them through my educators and my philosophers and they are. That's who they are by and large not all of them but by and large that's what they are of a humanistic system of teaching them totally in absence of any biblical truth and satan's got that set up public school you can't even mention god you can talk about satan and islam and everything else but you can't talk about god and christianity that's satan's work to get the children and it all hinges on the fact, if the wife wants to go out and have a career every day, then that work will not happen in the home. And it is a great, great loss. So that's God's plan, teamwork, that the man will go out and work. And uh, typically he's made physically to then bear that burden of physical labor. And the wife's made for nurture, caring. That's how God made us relative to the roles that he envisioned and so that's how this is to be carried out in the air providing for our families and the world is trying to turn that upside down all right let's move to the next one now disciplining your children and let's look at proverbs 3 and uh, brother cliff read that excellent chapter for us a little while ago, and I want to focus on one. There's one verse there, two verses, that, verse 11 and 12, that speak about this. My son do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. Now there we see, this is the area of disciplining, and it's modeled off of what God does. God loves his children, and out of that love, he corrects them. And the father is to do the same thing, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. So a father, out of his love, is to discipline his children. Notice the parallel. We, earthly fathers, we are carrying out the work of the heavenly father that he does. We're doing that within our own homes, in our families, with the children he's given to us. And we do it to be a foundation of his greater work in their life as adults. We discipline our children, teach them that you do. there's right and wrong. First, it'll teach them there's right and wrong. It's how they learn that there's something that's right and wrong. And they learn it before they learn to talk. They know, oh, there's something that's a no-no and I'm not to touch that or I'm not to do this. Or mommy will pat my hand. That's a, that's a no-no, I don't do it. They learn that when they're just... You know, even before they're one year old. And from one to two, they're learning before they can even talk, they're learning the concept. There's right things and there's wrong things. And it happens through this area of discipline. It's so important. It's one of the first lessons they learn. And then they learn that in the wrong things it brings punishment. And all of that is very gospel centered. It is teaching them the reality of sin and that the wages of sin is death. But if we will listen and learn from our Father, we will receive life. That's the gospel. We turn from sin. We accept His payment that had to be made and we accept Jesus as Lord of our life and we follow Him in doing what's right, following our Heavenly Father, and that's life. Dads, you have such an, this is such an important work to lay the foundation of a relationship with God. And, and Proverbs 3.11 and 12 says that this is what God does. This is his work in a person's life. That when they grow up and they learn this and they come to faith, then God's going to continue doing this work in their life. So understand this, as a Christian person, this is what God does in your life. You may not think about it you may not even realize it sometimes, but God is doing it nonetheless, is that when you begin to go astray and you're doing things you should not do, God will begin to work as your heavenly father to correct you, to discipline you. How does he do that? How does he do that? Just read in the Bible. There's many cases of it in the Bible. God starts sending things into people's lives to get their attention. Sometime in the, with the nation of Israel, he withheld rain. There was discipline on the nation, there was discipline in personal lives. God would begin to do things in a person's life, to withhold certain things, to sin some things in their life, difficulties, problems, in order to get their attention, to say, you're going astray, and you're getting, you having trouble come into your life, and that's the punishment. And if that person doesn't respond to that, there's more punishment. That's what you saw that, see with the nation of Israel, how God disciplined them that's what God does. Now, does that mean that every time something bad happens in a person's life, they're being disciplined by God? No. The Bible tells us that. That that's just a part of life on this earth too. That just happens. That can happen to anybody. It's just a part of life. But God does use this and that is a part of life where God is doing this in people's lives, his people's lives at times. And you say, Well, how do I know? And my answer is, is that if you are in under discipline, you know. You pretty much know. Well, first you can say, you could, It could be a trigger to you to say, Okay, I need to see. Is this this? If you start asking the question, you, you pray. Say, God, Are you trying to get my attention about something here? Are you trying to teach me about something? And then start evaluating your life and say, okay, could he be disciplined about something? Let me think about where my life is. Is there something going on that's not pleasing to him? And I guarantee you, if you're in that place, it won't take you that long. If you're really open and you're honest and you've got your Bible open and you're praying, it won't take very long that God will bring something to your mind. And you will know okay, God's trying to get my attention here with these circumstances. And then the key thing is, it's usually, it's usually not, oh, I don't know, or it's not. It's usually you know, the issue is, will you respond? Will you say, okay, I'll stop doing that? Just like a little child. They, they most of the time know what they're doing. Think about a little child, two years old, you know, they can be doing something, the parent walks in and they drop their head and they get all embarrassed they know they know they're doing something that's not right that's not the issue their knowledge it's will they stop will they submit to the authority of the parent that's the question and they won't typically it'll take many years to train them to come to trust the parent and accept to say i must i need to do what my mom and my dad say and learn from them and it's a process. Same thing with us. We do the same way with God. God sets up the home to be a parallel to what he's doing in our life and we learn the lessons that way. That's what 11 and 12 says. That's something to really think about. Because as I... Talk about discipline, and I was talking, you know, I talk about it. And you think, okay, it's, it's what we carry out with young children, yes, typically. And you think, okay, that's something for young parents, and that was something maybe when I was younger, or something if I become a parent later, or it, it, with my kids, it's something I'm doing. But no, here's the reality too this is something that we're experiencing with God, our Heavenly Father, right now. This is the reality for us that we are to learn that comes out of the principles of what happens in the home. And the book of Proverbs is all about this. The whole book is about a father's training, teaching of his children. And Solomon has many uh, proverbs about this. And he says at one, one time, he makes a point, well, on several of them, he says, you need to carry out, fathers, you need to carry out this work in your child's life of discipline and deliver their soul from hell one says because this is directly related to spiritual realities in a person's life because this parallels how God will deal with us in our lives as his children in our and then into our adult years this is how we this is what happens uh, between us and God let's look at some individual ones here Uh, look at 1324 He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who disciplines him, who loves him, disciplines him promptly. And so it teaches that the discipline is to be carried out diligently, quickly. When the mistake is made, the discipline needs to follow pretty quickly so that the child can connect the discipline with the disobedience, especially in the younger, younger years. If you wait some time they won't process that that punishment I got was about that thing I did over here. But if it, you know, when they're reaching for something when they're not supposed to and they get the hand slapped right then, they know, okay, they slap my hand because I'm reaching for that and they didn't connect the two. But it's true even as they get older, they need, there needs to be, the punishment should follow fairly quickly uh, so that the connection is made of the discipline. Let's look at some others here. Look at uh, 1918. Chasing your son while there is hope and do not set your heart on his destruction. And that last phrase is really a Hebrew expression, meaning on his crying. So it's calling parents to look at the long view, to not uh, withhold punishment because the child doesn't like it and even cries. Don't let that stop you do it for their good, for their eternal good, and give them the chasing and discipline. Uh, let's look at 22.6. Train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. And I think the emphasis here is on uh, the timing. Train up a child, this needs to be done early. All the, mo- most of the Proverbs stress early, discipline early. So they can learn those lessons very early so that they don't establish bad habits bad habits established are harder to break than if they learn the lessons early on and so the emphasis here i think is on the early training not so much about the end part of it which is much focused on about oh there's a promise not to part well there's never a guarantee of what a child decides and, and does i think the emphasis here is on train up a child when they're a child when they're young early that's the most effective way training and discipline to start early, and that that is the most impactful, that that's going to have the greatest impact in the future, I think is what this is teaching. Not a guarantee that every, every child is never going to go astray. There's no ever guarantee in the Bible. That's not what this verse is saying. It's emphasizing the early, early times. All right, let's look at uh, 23, chapter 23, Verse 13, do not withhold corrections from a child, for if you beat him with a rod, he will not die. You shall beat him with a rod and deliver his soul from hell. There's the spiritual statement and the aspect of physical punishment. And we'll talk about that one here uh, next uh, as we look at chapter 29 and verse 15. The rod and rebuke give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. I think this is a very comprehensive proverb here. It gives us range of discipline. The rod and rebuke. The rebuke is the first element and the beginning part of discipline. The rod is the end aspect of discipline. I think it gives us a range here in that the discipline that's going to occur through the father and the mother are to establish the rules. They're to teach the rules. And I think that's important that that we don't overlook that to say to tell our children first about what's wrong before you just punish them for something that maybe they really didn't even really realize to where you make it known. No, I do not want you touching that. You're not to do this. I do not want you doing that. To make it clear and then if they disobey, the first thing is rebuke, which is a verbal warning. You say, no, you're not to do that. I told you you're not to do that. No, I, I explained to you. I'm not, I don't want you doing that. And a warning, a verbal warning in various forms, you know. It could be a statement like, uh, you really need to think about what you're doing. You really need to think about how you're talking right now. Give a verbal warning because a lot of times emotions can get part of the situations, and there's all kinds of emotions going on, you know, so he talks about the rebuke here, the verbal warning. if the child does not respond to that verbal warning, then you move further, and it could be now I, I would say parent must and. I say parents, both are to be doing this. Fathers, though, the point here and what we're talking about, big picture, is we're to lead in this. We're to oversee all this. We're to set up the process and say, work with our wives and say, this is how I want us to handle these situations and this is going to be our process of discipline. And the father is to be the leader of that. And uh, he'll carry that out many times, but there will be times where the father is gone and the wife must carry it out in his absence. But... Then a further process could be some sort of punishment that doesn't involve a spanking. It might be some sort of consequence of a loss of either a loss of a privilege, Well, probably most of the time it would involve that: loss of a privilege or something. That could be a next consequence. And if they don't respond then at that point properly, and does they do not change, have a proper change in their attitude or their action? And both, really, there needs to be a change of both. Children, your goal is to obey the right action with a good attitude. That's honoring. Honor your father and your mother. Not just obey them, but honor them. You do it with a good attitude. You say, they are my parents. I'm going to respect them. I'm going to obey. Even if I might not understand this or like this, I'm going to obey it. And you work on your attitude to appreciate their leadership. But if they do not respond then rightly, then you move. The final form of punishment is the rod that Proverbs mentions several times. And that's a a spanking. It mentions, uh, I think it was on the, I don't know if it was an earlier proverb we read, but it mentions about the back. And there is areas to give a spanking, there's areas not to give a spanking. Areas where, on your backside, where there will not be a permanent injury That is not, we need to be on guard about that. Fathers particularly, we need to really be careful about that. The the point is not to injure our child, the point is to get their attention by some pain. And that means a sting on the skin, an area where there'll be a sting, uh, where there'll not be an injury to a bone or anything, but a sting on the body from a spanking that inflicts pain, to teach them a lesson, a lesson, a spiritual lesson, that sin, disobedience, brings pain. It brings loss. It brings death and destruction in the big picture. That's what is being taught in that experience of a spanking. That if they continue down that road of disobedience to their father on the earth, it will manifest itself into disobeying their heavenly father, which will land them in the grave eventually some way or another in a bad situation. So the rod is a physical picture of that and a, and a small experience of that, and God instructs fathers to do that. But again, it must be done properly. Fathers, it must be done in love, in control, to where it is not done improperly and go beyond what it should be. And we need to be very, very careful about that because that is the, if, if we make a mistake on that, the world will use that against A father in tragic ways. This war they have against male patriarchy. When they can find that, they will run with it in ways you don't want. To the point, taking children away from from parents. They're trying to. The world's trying to get there by saying any spanking is abuse, and they're trying to say that's a basis of taking children away from Christian parents which is wrong A spanking done right is not abuse it is taught by the bible it is a helpful and good thing but it must be done properly and we've got to be very careful about that because the world will use that against us if you make a mistake they can be very very difficult to deal with so we've got to be very very super careful about that and don't give them ammunition and also, it just, it's just—it's not it's not a good thing for the, that. We should never do something improper in harming a child. That's very, very important. Also, and have the love of our heavenly Father. And dads, uh, you're going to discipline out of love, not out of anger to express your anger against your child. That's not the proper motivation. We need to be on a guard a about that and and prepare our hearts and direct our hearts. That's not out of Anger, even though what they may do might anger us, we've got to be in control that it's done for the motivation of love to teach them to change their behavior, not just to try to retaliate because I'm frustrated at what my child just did. Again, Proverbs give us the direction, a father disciplines the son whom he loves. So it's all to be based out of love, from the motivation of love. But it can be, it will go to the rod. It'll go to the rod if, if the child does not respond, and, and uh, the reality is that the human heart is so deceitful and so corrupted by sin that it, that it takes a spanking for most, if not all, children to learn the lessons, that you're going to go to a spanking at some point. With some kids, you don't have to go there as often. With some, you have to go there a lot, but... I believe with most, if not all, you're going to have to go there at one point or another because of the sinful condition of the human heart and that they learned that lesson. As the one says, uh, I did not come across it here, but the one that says, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. The rod of correction will drive it far from him. You know, that's a really good one. It says that foolishness is so bound up in all of our hearts And in a child's heart that it takes a rod for them to learn certain lessons at certain times. And and I found that, well, my own experience with most of our children, there was a time where they really challenged us. And it usually occurred when they were really, really young, like around two years old, where they just just were going to challenge to say, I'm not going to do what you say, and I'm going to see how far I can get with this and and how far you will go. And it was a challenge. And we had to meet that challenge and had to meet it with a spanking god knows what he's talking about and this is the important work of discipline and fathers we must carry we must be the leader in this carry this out and just very practically that can mean in teamwork that say uh, you know a mother's at home and the children there's a child that's challenging and typically ladies it will be the boys the boys will pick time so they just say I'm going to see how much I can get get over mom that's just a dynamic trying to fill in their oats trying to see how they big they can be and there'll be a challenge and and that mom should carry out a discipline but at that point that's where when dad comes home there needs to be teamwork to say he did this this and this and then the dad goes in and the dad gives the spanking also to really deal with the situation So that's a teamwork to deal with the lessons that must be learned in the heart of a child to submit to authority. That's the big picture there, what's being taught, submitting to authority. You submit first. You learn to submit to the authority of your father and your mother as a basis of submitting to all of the authorities in the world and ultimately to God. And discipline, the process of discipline in the home is the place where that it happens and where the hearts and spirits of people learn to submit to authority in their personal lives. That's how the family's work is in the personal lives of people. And the parents are the ones who are the only ones instructed to do that. They're the only ones that have the authority to do that. They're the only ones equipped to do it out of the loving relationships of the home and schools cannot do that. That's why one of the reasons schools are a failure because they cannot carry out discipline effectively, like it needs to be carried out. And what do they have? What do they ultimately do? You know, when there's a real problem, they get on the phone, and call the parents. Well, the parents can't fully deal with it because they're at work. That's where it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And um, that's the family was made to raise the children, to discipline them, and to teach them out of that. And that's what God blesses, and that's what God uses. All right, we'll stop there. And then the last ones, these three kind of dealt with more physical things, although there's a spiritual component to this discipline. But the last three really get into more of the spiritual training of the children. We'll talk about those next. All right, let's pray. We praise you, Lord, for your word. We praise you for the great principles you give in Proverbs, important truths there. And I pray you'd help us as fathers, as men, to be carrying out our leadership as we should in the home, in uh, loving and providing and disciplining. Help us to carry this out, Lord Jesus, as you did in your love and in your wisdom. And help our the wives to carry these things out in, in, our, in our help, with our as our helpers and help our homes to carry out the works that we need to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.